Well, good morning, Calvary. It's good to be, it's good, to, and everybody online, I, I forget that people are at home watching. <laughs> we don't have that in Africa. That's not possible. <laughs> so I forget. But it's good to be with you. As Anthony said, um, so these are a, as he said, a, a solar-powered projector. So the guys can take this kit, um, and there's a USB thumb drive in here that I will load with uh, about a hundred movies in multiple different languages for multiple different people groups. And they'll take these um, little kits and they'll take them to a village and they'll, um, they'll share the Jesus film. Or, uh, and we have a bunch of movies in French, The War Room, uh, a lot of the movies that that, that group uh, has done. Uh, and so, Pete, you have, you, knew, you have no clue how many people uh, will be impacted by the gospel because, uh, because of these kits and the ob- obedience uh, of your kids, uh, which is an amazing thing. So I want to spend just a few minutes here to kind of update, and then we got a, a, a good sermon, a long sermon. I don't know if it'll be good, but it'll be long. <laughs> I hope the Lord shows up. It'll be good if he does. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Africa and kind of give you an update of what's, uh, what's happening there, and I'm hoping to come back in maybe November or something and, and expound a little bit more if if uh, Pastor Stewart will, will let me. So, but anyways, um, we've been there 20 months. So we left uh, January 13th of 2019, so last year. And uh, we've seen the Lord do some amazing things um, uh, there. The God, God was already at work there. And as Henry Black- Blackaby says, find where God's working and then join him uh, in that work. And so uh, we saw the Lord at work in West Africa. And Rachel and I have a, a love for Senegal and have for uh, since for me since 2006, for her since 2003, uh, and so it was a perfect fit for us to go and and serve um, the people of West Africa uh, in that capacity. Uh, I've learned some things obviously while being there, and one of those is before you can have a church planning movement, you have to have a discipleship making movement. There's no church if there's no disciples, um, and so uh, the strategy that we use is called the Tree of Life. Uh, strategy. It was a uh, strategy developed uh, in Bangladesh uh, by an IMB missionary, International Mission Board missionary, and then it was taken. Uh, he moved. Uh, God called him to India, and he took it to India and saw uh, um, an explosion of, of uh, people coming to Christ, um, some uh, 30, 40,000 in, over a period of three years when he began training there, which is just incredible. Uh, so Joe uh, Fleming, uh, who I've known for many years and went to church with at Fishersville Baptist, um, God called him and his family to go to India. He went to India and learned this strategy that's called Tree of Life. Uh, and then uh, he was there f- three years and saw a great, uh, a great harvest. And so God called him away from India because uh, he had finished uh, his task there. And God called him to Senegal where he brought the Tree of Life ministry. Uh, and so he called uh, or sent me an email one day and said, hey, you got to come over here and check out what God's doing. I know you guys love Senegal. You love West Africa. You have a love for the African people. Come see what God's doing here. So I got on a plane uh, and flew over and spent a, a week and a half there and just saw God doing some amazing things. And uh, so I came home and I told Rachel, and I said, hey, we need to, uh, we need to pray about uh, what God would have for us in regards to this. And so uh, we began to pray, and God began to open door after door after door, uh, and we, see, uh, we saw God do some great things. So we took a vision trip uh, in 2018, and our kids went with us, and they had a fun time, and so um, they enjoyed it. So we knew uh, it was another check box, check mark on the, the call of God on our lives to go. 
Uh, and so we get there, and we've seen God, again, do some amazing things. We've seen um, doors open in Senegal that we never saw when we used to take short-term trips there back in uh, 2006, 2007, 2008. Uh, and so we saw this strategy really being, beginning to work. It's a, it's a reproducible discipleship training. We train uh, a group of individuals for eight months. After that eight months, um, some, uh, some have left. Uh, God uh, naturally uses the filter. We see that in John chapter 6. Jesus feeds the, the 5,000 men, and who knows how many people were actually there with women and children. Um, but then the next day, they go to the other side of the lake, um, and he says, you're only coming to me because you want uh, what I provided for you, food. And so they, they leave. And so 5,000, let's just say, filters down to the 12, right? So the only, the only ones that are left with Jesus at the end of John chapter 6 are the 12, and one of them uh, is the devil. <laughs> so there's only actually 11 faithful people um, that, that, um, that serve Christ. And so we see the filter happen. God filters to the faithful always. He always filters to the faithful. And so we begin to, um, to see how God was using this training, using the faithful uh, believers there in Senegal to reach the masses with the gospel. Um, I don't have a, I could give you some statistics. I, don't, I didn't prepare all that with me this morning. I can bring that at a later date and give you some, uh, some, some hard numbers. But we've seen God do a, a great work there. And it's, because, it's not because of me. It's not because of Joe. It's because of the national believer. Uh, see, the national in Senegal... And here, the national is the best missionary to reach their people with the gospel. Guess who that is here? You. That's you. You're the national uh, believer here in America. And so you're the best missionary to your people because you know the culture, the language, you know what to say, when to say, and how to say it. So the gospel is presented um, and not necessarily uh, offensive, but can be understood and heard. Um, so... Uh, we've seen a great outpouring uh, of God's love, and, and um, we've just seen some great God do some marvelous things. I'm going to share some of those with you this morning as I preach. Um, so today, that's kind of a general update of Senegal. The Lord's doing some great things. That's all that really needs to be said. It's the Lord, not anybody uh, other than the Lord. So, but today, I want to kind of share a concept that we use in Tree of Life, um, as I preach this morning, and that's uh, the concept of reconciliation. Um, usually when we think of reconciliation, we think of it in terms of uh, human interaction or uh, a dispute uh, between two individuals that there needs to be some reconciliation uh, that comes about, or an estranged child that is reconciled to his or her parents through, through uh, a set of circumstances, or two co-workers or two church members um, that need to be reconciled one to another. Um, this morning, though, I want to talk to you uh, about reconciliation, but on a higher level, uh, with far greater implications. Um, and that is the reconciliation of the sinful human, us, to a holy, righteous God. Um, uh, and that happens through Christ, as we'll, as we'll get into um, here this morning. I say it's on a much higher level and has far greater implications because we can all be reconciled to each other uh, for our, the, our, the, the total, uh, totality of our lives. But if we're not reconciled to God, it's all for naught. Uh, because we're going to die in, uh, in our sin and, and spend eternity separated from um, the one who loves us and cares for us. Uh, so today we're talking about this idea, this concept of reconciliation. 
If you have your Bibles, uh, you can begin turning to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 17, um, 17 through 21. I want to tell you a story of a, great, of a dear friend of mine um, who actually lives in uh, Guinea-Bissau, which is the country just south of Senegal. Uh, this, this man, his name is Raimondo. Um, he is a fireball for the Lord. Uh, he reminds me uh, a lot of the Apostle Paul uh, in the sense of his temperament. And obviously, uh, I only get that from reading Paul's letters. Um, but Raimondo has a, a, a temperament that I would say is very much like um, the Apostle Paul. He's much like a, a pit bull um, a go-getter. He wants to be out going and doing. Um, they had uh, in Guinea-Bissau, the gospel is exploding in Guinea-Bissau right now. They've uh, planted um, about 30 churches in the last two years in, uh, in Guinea-Bissau. Uh, the reason it's exploded in Guinea-Bissau so well is because they're um, basically within that country, there's one denomination. Uh, makes up about 40,000 people. But that whole denomination um, uh, took on the Tree of Life strategy as their church planning model. Um, and so when you can get um, 40,000 people involved in one strategy with one purpose for the right reason, you can, you can do a lot um, with, with the gospel. But there was one area in Guinea-Bissau where um, they really hadn't taken on the strategy very well. And so they were at their annual uh, conference like we have uh, in the SBC um, they were at their annual conference last uh, May. Not this May, but last year. Last year, uh, last May. And they were reporting on the, ch- the churches that were being planted and, and all that was happening. And when they got to this one, the, the, it's kind of broken up in districts. Um, they got to this one area and um, they asked, you know, how's, how's church planning going? And they didn't uh, say a whole lot. <laughs> they just kind of hee-hawed around and didn't, um, you know, they didn't talk about what... Uh, the churches that they had planted or anything. And so Raimondo stood up, uh, kind of like I would think Paul, uh, Paul would have, and he said, if you don't get busy, I'm going to come do it for you. <laughs> and that was, you know, for us, that was uh, pretty incredible to see um, a man of his uh, stature. So, uh, and, you know, to say something like that, uh, he said, I'll bring my team and we'll come, uh, we'll come plant churches there. Uh, where you are. So, so get busy doing what the Lord wants you to do. Uh, but the story I want to share with you about Ramondo is uh, in regards to reconciliation. Um, I got a text message one morning uh, about 5.30 um, from him. It actually came through about 1, uh, 1 a.m., but I didn't get it till I woke up. Uh, and he said, hey, pre- please pray for my father. He's in the hospital with, um, uh, with blood pressure issues. Uh, and so I immediately, you know, when I woke up and I got the message, I immediately began to pray for his father, and I finished praying, and um, I went, I scrolled down to, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but he had sent me another message later, later on in the night, um, and so I, 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 I opened that message, and um, it said, hey, praise the Lord, my father uh, accepted Christ uh, as his Lord and Savior. This man was uh, 95 years old. He'd been in, a, um, um, in the cult, uh, in the false religion of animism his entire life, and he worshipped um, false idols, and he was just 
um, with the older generation there, it's very difficult for them to come out of, uh, out of that system of uh, ideology, a system of religion. And um, Romando had shared with his father many, 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 many times. Uh, he'd, he'd read passages of Scripture to him. He'd shared with him. Um, but he could never be broken free from those chains, those bondage, the bondage of animism. Uh, basically, until he was on his deathbed, which, which did, in fact, become his deathbed. He died um, there in the hospital with blood pressure issues. But before he died, he, he, uh, he was reconciled to God, which is, the, um, which is the greatest thing that could ever happen um, to anybody. The greatest decision we could ever make is to be reconciled uh, to God. I share that story with you because that kind of thing happens all the time in Africa. Um, those kinds of stories are endless um, of people who, um, who have been reconciled to God through various circumstances, uh, some, some through dreams and visions and some uh, by other, um, you know, preachers and teachers and uh, sharers of the gospel. So we're looking at this concept of the ministry and the message of reconciliation. So uh, if you're there in 2 Corinthians, let's, um, let's read from the, uh, God's Word uh, in chapter 5, and we're going to read 17 through 21. Paul, writing to the church at uh, Corinth, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the message of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we, uh, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, for your awesomeness, God, for who you are, for what you've done in our lives, for how you've um, reconciled us to yourself through Christ. Thank you for uh, that great gift of, uh, of redemption, of reconciliation, of restoration that you provide to your children, God, those who you call unto yourself, those who you draw um, to yourself, God, thank you that you have reconciled us to yourself, God, through Christ. We give you praise for all that you have done, are doing, and are going to do in our midst. God, I uh, pray that you would uh, bless our time here this morning. God, I pray that you would speak to your people uh, through your word, uh, by your grace and mercy and love. We give you praise from on high, God, um, because you're worthy of that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're looking at the the two M's, the two M's of reconciliation and their implications for us as believers. Uh, now, through that passage, we see what the two M's of reconciliation, I'm calling that the what. What, is the, what are the two M's of reconciliation? Well, the first he gives us in ver- at the end of verse 18, um, that's the, message, or the, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. And then at the end of verse 19, he gives us the message of reconciliation. So the what is the ministry of reconciliation and the message of, re- of reconciliation. Now there's three verses surrounding verse 18, uh, and ni- uh, 18 and 19, verse 17 before, and then 20 and 21 after. But I want us to ask ourselves uh, three other questions. 
Those three questions I'm calling the why, the how, and the substance. The why, the how, and the substance. Why must I be involved in the ministry of reconciliation? Why must I be involved in the ministry of reconciliation? The second question is, how can I get involved in the ministry of reconciliation? How can I get involved in the ministry of reconciliation? The third question is, what's the substance of the message of reconciliation? What's the core of reconciliation? What's the core message? What's the substance of reconciliation, of the message of reconciliation? Let's first uh, look at verse 17 and break that down a little bit and answer the why. Why must we be involved in the ministry of reconciliation? Well, Paul there says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is a very simple concept, and sometimes the, the simplistic we overlook. Um, it's simple, but it's important. Because <laughs> there's a direct correlation between being in Christ and being a new creation. Another way to say it is, no one has ever been a new creation outside of being in Christ. You can't be a new creation and, uh, and, be, and not be in Christ. There's a direct correlation between the two. And so it's important for us to understand that, that if we're in Christ, we are a new creation, and if we're a new creation, we should act in a new way. I know Pastor Stewart, I, I think he shared this uh, several times about turning over a new leaf. We can turn over as many new leaves as we want to, but we're still an old creation. <laughs> turning over a new leaf doesn't do us any good. We need a heart transplant. Uh, we need God to change uh, our heart, to give us a new heart, to give us a new desire, to give us a new uh, goals, to give us new paths, to give us new priorities, etc., etc., etc. So being in Christ is to be a new creation, and there's no other way to be a new creation than to be in Christ. Um, Peter in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, says it this way. He says, there is no, uh, there is no salvation and no, uh, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no uh, other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no salvation in any, anyone other than Jesus Christ, period. Case closed in a discussion. Jesus is the only Savior of the world. Jesus said it this way in John fourteen 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty straightforward and clear. There, you know, you don't have to have a PhD to understand that, right? Like, that's simple. Uh, but it's profound, and that's what I want us to understand. It's profound. It's important for us to understand that in Christ, we are new, new creations. We are new creatures in Christ. Well, Paul goes on in verse 17, and he says, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, when I first read this as a new believer, I, I struggled to understand what Paul was saying because I still struggled with sin. I still struggle with sin today. How, anybody... Anybody uh, relate with that? Uh, I struggle with sin on a daily basis. And so how can I be a new creation? How can God make me completely new, but yet I still struggle with sin as a believer? How is that, how is that possible? And it's important for us to understand that as we walk the Christian life, we enter into, when we, when we uh, come to Christ at the point of justification, then we enter into the process of sanctification where the Holy Spirit comes and invades our life and begins to walk with us and teach us and to show us things that we don't, uh, that we didn't understand. This is one of the things that the Holy Spirit helped me to understand, that uh, being a believer is not about being perfect or sinless, because I know that I will never be perfect or sinless. 
But when God made me new, he changed my, he changed my view and my attitude towards my sin. He helped me to understand um, that my sin was uh, damaging to, um, to my testimony, to, to his testimony, to his witness for others. God changed my viewpoint. Um, he changed my worldview. He changed my concept of, uh, uh, of how I viewed um, the worldly system, Satan's uh, worldly system. He changed my priorities. Um, at salvation, God drastically changed everything that I thought I knew and believed. Uh, and he showed me uh, over time um, what I was to believe and what I was to be and what I was to do. And so my outlook on life uh, drastically changed. And that's what it means to be uh, in Christ, to be changed, to be made new. doesn't mean we're sinless. It means God's changed the way we view our sin in reference and in, in accordance with his word, in accordance with the, the cross of Christ. One of the greatest promises in Scripture, um, for me anyways, one of my life verses is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So how does verse 17 then answer the question, why must we be involved in the ministry of reconciliation? And the answer is simple, and that is because we are new creations in Christ. And because we are new creations in Christ, we have a new Lord. We have a new master. We have a new um, uh, one that we serve, that we, um, that we submit our lives to. And so when we submit our lives to Christ, he changes uh, again, our priorities, and we see, we see the world differently. We see the world through Christ's eyes and God's eyes, not, not necessarily our own eyes. And so when we are new creations, he gives us a new ministry. He gives us new things uh, to be doing. And so we're going to look at that a little further uh, in verse 18 and 19. So to answer the why, the why is we're new creations in Christ, and we should be doing what Christ wants us to do, and that is to be about the ministry and the message of reconciliation. In verse 18, Paul goes on and says, this is all from God. That's important to understand. <laughs> Simple but important. This is all from God. Your salvation is from God. If you're a new creation here this morning, it's because of God. Salvation is of the Lord, Jonah says, or belongs to the Lord, Jonah says in um, chapter 2, verse 9. Um, I think one of the children uh, quoted um, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 this morning. Um, For grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. Salvation is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. God, through the work of Christ, reconciled us to himself. The work of reconciliation is a work of God. But notice um, notice this, he goes on, Paul goes on and says, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That's a work of God. The work of reconciliation is a work of God. But then after that, he says, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God saves us, he reconciles us to himself, and then he says, okay, here, big boy, here you go. Here's the ministry of reconciliation. Go take that ministry and go share the message of the gospel with those around you. So God saves us, redeems us, reconciles us, and then he gives us that ministry of reconciliation to take to the world.
Notice in verse 19, and I want you to see this difference between 18 and 19, because the middle of 18 and the beginning there of 19 sound very similar, but there is a slight difference. In verse 19, he says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In verse 18, Paul says, who through Christ reconciled us, us to himself. There's a difference between us and the world. Before you were a believer, you were a part of the second group, the world. Before I was a believer, I was part of the world. I believed worldly things. I was part of the worldly system. I did what I wanted to do, which is what Satan wants us to do, wants, the, wants worldly people to do worldly things. But in verse, um, in verse eight, 18, he says, through, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So once we were part of the world, God brings somebody to share the message of the gospel with us, and then he redeems us, reconciles us, and brings us into his kingdom. So there's a great exchange that happens here between wor- being worldly and being reconciled. So verse 18, he gives, uh, he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. So he saves us, he redeems us, and then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. And he tells us, hey, God's reconciling the world to, your, to himself. Go take that message of reconciliation to the world. What's that reconciliation look like? Paul answers that in the next part. He says, in, in verse 19, he says, not counting their trespasses against them. That's what it means to be reconciled, to be forgiven of your sins, to, be, uh, to not have your trespasses counted against uh, your account. We could get into some topics, you know, some legal talk, topics and talk about that. But simply, uh, it's being forgiven. To be reconciled to Christ is simply to not have your trespasses counted against you. And after he saves us and doesn't tre- uh, count our trespasses against us, he, Paul goes on and says, he entrusting uh, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So he gave us a message, or he gave us a ministry, excuse me, he gave us a ministry, and he gave us a message. Every one of us in here this morning has a ministry. People say, you know, I used to hear people all the time, I don't know how to get involved. I don't know where to get plugged in. I don't know what to do. He's given you a ministry. He's he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. Just go do that. Find some unique way, some creative way, that you can be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. Not only did he give you a ministry, but he gave you the message to share. (laughs) This is not complicated uh, this is not a complicated concept. He gave you a ministry. He gave you a message. Use the message to share through that ministry to reach people with the gospel. This is the greatest calling on the life of the believer, is to share the message of the gospel. The gospel that Jesus Christ died for sinful humanity to take our sin upon himself to become our sin, as we see in verse 21 so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could have the righteousness of Christ. Uh, This is the ministry of reconciliation, is to be about sharing the gospel with those around us. Every follower of Jesus has been given a ministry. You're all ministers in that sense, and your ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. This is your calling. God has saved you. He has called you. He has gifted you. He has equipped you. He has a desire for you to be involved in this ministry. This is what we as believers are to be about, is sharing the gospel with lost humanity. John MacArthur, he said it this way. He said, it is our duty to tell people that they can be reconciled to God. Our mission, to bring the message of reconciliation to sinful, 
to sinners to preach them the gospel, the good news, that the relationship of hostility and hatred and enmity and alienation between God and sinful man can be totally and utterly changed so that enemies, so that enemies of God can become forever friends. That's, that's our goal in, in life is to be about sharing the gospel with those around us so that they can be changed, so that they can be restored, so that they can be reconciled, just as God has done that for us. For us. We must understand that the gospel message has the power to restore broken relationships with God just as he did with us. Right? We would not be here, I would not be a believer this morning if somebody didn't share the gospel with me. That's just how it works. <laughs> right? There is... Uh, I'm not saying that somebody can't come to Christ through some uh, drastic way uh, where there's no human interaction. But by and large, people come to Christ through human interaction. That's somebody sharing the gospel with somebody else. Maybe that's through radio or TV or et cetera. But there's there's an exchange uh, of a conversation on some level um, that the gospel is presented and shared and that person comes to Christ. Guess who God uses to share that message? Us. We are the mouthpiece for God, and we're going to talk about that right now. Let's look at verse 20. Because in verse 20, Paul answers the how. How are we to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation? Well, let's look at verse 20. He says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. To be involved in the ministry of recon reconciliation is to be an ambassador for Christ. I want to talk about this a little bit because it's, it's quite interesting. What is an ambassador? What does an ambassador do? Let's, let's think on these, this a little bit. An ambassador is a direct representative of his king and kingdom. An ambassador speaks on behalf of the king he never speaks of his own authority or his own thoughts or his own desires. He only and always ever speaks what he hears from the king. He is the mouthpiece for the king to the place that he serves. He is the mouthpiece for the king in the place that he serves. He is in constant, this is important, he is in constant communication with the king to know the king's plans and desires for the place he serves. Let me say that again. He is in constant communication or contact with the king in order to know the king's plans or desires. An ambassador is an alien living in a foreign land. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Church? Huh? That sounds real familiar. We, we walk in this world. This, we are not of this world. Our citizenship, as Paul said in Ephesians, I think, is of heaven. We are aliens here, as the uh, third day song says, I believe, if I remember right. To be an ambassador is to be uh, a speaker for God, to be a mouthpiece for God, as I said. We are to share the message 
of the king with those he sends us to. For Rachel and I, that's to share with those who live in West Africa, Senegal, West Africa, specifically in the city of Ziggenshore. For you, that's to share the message of the king with those around you, those that you, that you contact, those that you come in contact on a daily basis, those neighbors or friends, co-workers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the what can you do about this. To be an, an ambassador is a noble calling. In Paul's day, to be an ambassador was usually, in fact, in the Greek, and I don't know Greek, I don't understand all that, but I do know, I looked up enough this week to understand that the root of the word ambassador is the same root uh, as the word that we see in the Bible, elder. They come, both the elder and ambassador come from the same root word, um, which has a sense of nobility to it tied to it. To be a noble thing in, in, or to be an ambassador in, in Paul's day was a noble, was a high calling, was a noble calling. And that's the calling that God, um, that's the label that, that God gives to us. He calls us his ambassadors here. That's a noble thing. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. That's something that we should, um, uh, that's, that's something that we should praise the Lord for, that he's given us such a high calling in Christ, obviously. It's such an analogy for us as Christians to see, to understand what an ambassador does because that's exactly what we are to do on behalf of our King, Jesus. We are to be the, the speaker on behalf of Christ. When Christ was here, physically, he was reconciling physically the world to himself. Now Christ is in heaven, ascended, and he has given us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and now he's tasked us with his job that he did while he was here. Obviously, spiritually, Jesus is still doing the reconciling. But physically, he has tasked us with the job of taking the gospel, taking the message of reconciliation through the ministry of reconciliation and sharing that message through that ministry with those around us. I want you to notice here... um, at the, book, at the end of uh, the book of Ephesians, I know, uh, if I remember right, Pastor Stewart preached through that last year, I, I think. Um, at the end of the book of, of Ephesians, in chapter 6, um, Paul is, is kind of uh, encouraging the believers at the church of Ephesus to pray. And he shares with them a, a prayer request. And I just find, I find this um, quite fascinating. He says this in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 19 and 20. He says, also for me, he's sharing a prayer request, also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I find this fascinating that Paul here uses that same word, ambassador. But he links it to him being in change, in chains. As I look around this morning, I don't see anybody in chains here this morning. And so how much more freedom do we have as believers to share that message with those around us? Paul was in a, 
uh, imprisoned. He was imprisoned in Rome writing this to the church at Ephesus. Paul had an excuse not to share the gospel, and yet he's asking for a prayer request to, for the Lord to give him some boldness in his proclamation of the gospel. Well, the question is, for me, what's my excuse? What's your excuse? I know that's harsh, but the reality is people are dying and going to hell every day. Every day. In Senegal, 373 people die every day. Only one of them is a believer. 372 go to hell every day in Senegal. In America, around 7,000 die every day. I think around 4,911 of those are believers. If you, not, no, not believers, excuse me. I don't know how accurate that statistic is. I can vouch for the one in Senegal. That's pretty accurate. But for here, I'm not sure. Paul's asking the church at Ephesus for, um, to pray for him to be uh, released or to be uh, encouraged, to be boldened with the gospel. Let's quickly look at verse 21. I know our time is gone. I'm sorry. He says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be him who, uh, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is the substance of the, of the gospel. That's the great exchange between God and man. Uh, Jesus did not become a sinner. Some people would teach that Jesus became a sinner on the cross. That's, that's not true. Jesus was as perfect on the cross uh, as he was the day he was born in Bethlehem. What he did is he took our sin upon himself. He bore our sin upon himself so that we could bear in him his righteousness. This is the great exchange between God and man, that man, uh, that God takes our sin upon himself so that we could take his righteousness upon ourselves. That is the substance of the message of the gospel. That's the substance of the message uh, of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. That is la bonne nouvelle, the good news in French. That's the good news. That's the gospel message that Christ died for us, the substitutionary atonement substitutionary death of Christ. I don't know if you guys still use this, but we are called by God to become his disciples and to carry his message, right? That's our calling. We're called by God to become his disciples, CBC, uh, called, become, carry, CBC, Calvary Baptist Church. We're called by God to become his disciples and carry his message. So what can I do about it this week? Or better yet, what can I do about it for the rest of my life? Maybe that's a better question. The first is create a relational map. What's a relational map? <laughs> we use this in Senegal. We ask all of our trainers to create a relational map, which is to create uh, a list or a map, however you want to do it, of all the people in your life that aren't saved. F family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People that you talk to at 7-Eleven or wherever you buy your coffee in the morning. Write down all of those people that you know aren't in a right relationship with God. That's the first thing. They begin to pray for your, those that are on your map. Number two, pray for those on your map 
And number three, three create, uh, seek to create uh, ways to share the gospel with those on your map. That's your highest calling as a, uh, as a believer in Jesus, is to share the message of the gospel with those that are dying and going to hell. That's what we're called to do. That's what the church, that's the, that's the vision of the church. That's the mission of the church is to take the gospel to dying people. That's what we are to be about. So I don't know where you are this morning with what I've shared. I know it can, it can be some weighty, um, some weighty things, some heavy things, but it's an important thing. It's an important thing to us, for us to understand what we're to be about. I don't know if we can come to the front um, and have an old-fashioned altar call, but I just encourage you to bow your head where you are and seek the Lord, speak with the Lord on this topic of the ministry and the message of reconciliation. I've given you the why you need to be involved. I've given you the how you can be involved. And I give it, I've, we've given you the substance of what that message is. And so now it's our job, it's our duty, it's our calling to go and share with those who need to hear it. It's as simple as that, and yet it's, I understand, very difficult. I get it. I understand that. But it's something that we need to be doing. So if you'll bow your heads with me as, as we close in prayer and uh, just spend some time with the Lord here. Father, thank you for your goodness. God, you're so awesome. You're so good. God, thank you that you've given us the privilege of having this message uh, to share with the world. God, you've given us this opportunity to take this message that's changed our lives, and you've asked us, and you've equipped us, and you've encouraged us, God, and you've um, called us to take that message and then to take it to the world. You've shared it with us through somebody else, and now it's our responsibility and our, our duty to take it to others, God. I pray, God, for your people here at Calvary Baptist Church. I pray that you would bless them, God, that you would use them for your glory, that, that uh, Stanton, Augusta County, would be forever changed because of the, this body of believers. Father, I pray that you would do a work here like we're seeing you do a work in West Africa. God, oh, how we need you to come, how we need you to show up and show off Father, in our lives, thank you for these people. God, thank you for blessing them and using them and helping them through this journey of the Christian life. God, now give them a conviction to take this message and to share it with the world that needs to hear it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.